Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks, I'm your host, and I'm a retail transformation specialist, working with retailers and brands as a consultant and advisor to help drive positive and successful transformations, all the way from inception through to delivery. If you'd like help to accelerate your retail transformation or support to navigate the journey of change, then do reach out, find me on LinkedIn, or head over to the show notes, which I'll come back to in a little moment. Thanks for tuning in today. This one is episode 240, number 240. And today we're talking about a key trend that many brands and retailers are considering to help tackle a number of different business challenges. Today, we're diving into the realm of retail marketplaces, touching on their mechanics and the opportunity that they present as well as some of the challenges that you might face along the way. Now, when it comes to marketplaces, there are several different ways of positioning this topic. You could be selling on an established marketplace like Amazon or eBay, for example. Maybe you are considering opening your own marketplace to supplement your core product or your wholesale offering, or you might even be operating a marketplace-only model. Today's episode is going to be focused on those first two, either selling on established marketplaces or starting up your own marketplace to supplement the existing business. The show notes for today's episode are at obandco.uk slash 240. That's obandco.uk slash 240. And whilst you're over on those show notes, why not sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing? This is my weekly email newsletter covering key retail headlines from around the world, showing the emerging trends, highlighting new innovations, and sharing insights and tactics to help inspire your successful transformation. It's absolutely free, so sign up at obandco.uk slash 240, and you'll find my contact information over there as well. So marketplaces. They've been a key trend in the retail business for a little while. We saw lots of companies opening up marketplaces last year. And of course, marketplaces like Amazon have been on the rise for a number of years now. And sticking with Amazon, I think they were the first company to really popularize the idea of a retailer becoming a marketplace and popularizing that terminology of marketplace too. It's key to their flywheel concept, their core strategy, right? Attract more buyers and in turn attract more sellers and allow the flywheel to pick up velocity and turn more freely. And of course, the marketplace has encouraged and supplemented their bolt-on services such as FBA, fulfilled by Amazon, and of course, their massive ad network as well. But perhaps the original e-commerce marketplace was eBay, particularly from a peer-to-peer point of view, But more and more brands started opening stores as eBay became more than just a a car boot sale or a garage sale and actually became a genuine platform for brand new product. 
And I suppose that's the, the real origin of marketplaces, right? Literal marketplaces, either for peer-to-peer sales or for B2C sales. But as I hinted at earlier, lots more retailers have been opening their own marketplaces on their own site. Companies like Walmart, Decathlon, Superdrug, Jules, Target, B&Q, and loads more. As well as, of course, all the actual marketplace providers like Onbuy, for example. Before we dive in too deeply, let's step back and just think, what do we mean by marketplace? We always sort of assume we know. Let's consider some of those fundamental aspects and key differentiators. So a marketplace is the ability for an e-commerce site to add on additional products to the range, but without carrying the stock and the risk, but instead using a third-party seller to complete the fulfillment. And that introduces our first little bit of terminology, right? A seller is the third-party brand, but could equally be a retailer in their own right as well, whereas the buyer is the company operating the marketplace although they may never actually take full ownership of the product in question. But the seller is taking on more risk and more responsibility across the operation. And the cost of that is that the buyer takes a lower margin relative to a classic wholesale deal where the buyer is buying stock and holding that risk and running the operation. And so it's fairly natural. So usually the payment is taken as a percent commission or a higher unit cost price. And it's a bit of a win-win. The seller or the brand gets more exposure and a brand association and trust from working with the established marketplace provider, whilst the buyer or marketplace provider is able to expand the range without investing heavily in working capital and space. More recently, we've seen retail media or ad networks as an addition to the marketplace model. Again, most likely popularized by Amazon, but more and more companies are getting into this now. And I suspect we'll start to see more physical store marketplace models coming through as well, essentially challenging the ownership of the product in exchange for that exposure and the trust that goes alongside. And so as I hinted at right at the start, there are a number of different perspectives on marketplaces. Maybe you are a retailer considering becoming the buyer, considering becoming the marketplace provider. In addition to your core business, maybe that's your own products, maybe you're a wholesale retailer, and so you have traditionally been buying in products from other companies. And there are many examples, like the companies I listed earlier, who are pursuing this approach right now. And then, of course, you could be selling on Amazon or eBay or another marketplace. And this is really just another channel for you. It's another way to reach a consumer. You get more eyeballs on your product. You expose the brand to more potential customers. However, you do not own that customer relationship. So once you've made that first sale, you have to hope that that customer will come back to your marketplace store on Amazon or wherever and buy again. Or maybe you can really keep your fingers super tightly crossed and hope that that customer will take the initiative to see if you even have a separate website to buy from directly. But it's a fantastic way to reach an established and already trusting audience. And what you need to do is essentially you need to integrate with that marketplace so that your products and your data can be uploaded and then you receive new orders ready to populate your fulfillment order systems 
and then send back the various output shipping notifications and tracking info back to the marketplace provider to send on to the consumer. Of course, there are companies that provide only a marketplace model. That is, they are a marketplace provider, but they do not have a core business outside of that. Now, of course, this is going to be a huge strategic decision. So it's unlikely that you're going to transform from a classic retailer or brand into a marketplace only model. So it's really only for startups, I would suggest that. And then finally, there is dropship, which is a subtly different model. And we're not going to be diving into that deeply today, but it can be a great option to really consider separate or even in combination with marketplaces to really help manage a quality range and a quality product as well. The danger, the big danger with marketplaces is that they can seem a little like a mirage, a tempting oasis of success, shall we call it? <laughs> but it's always just slightly out of reach, slightly over the horizon. You know, it's amazing to think, oh, I could sell on Amazon and I'll sell a gajillion sales extra. Nice. Ah, oh, we could open our own marketplace and become the new Amazon. Ah, oh, amazing. You know, it's very easy to get carried away to essentially overpromise and underdeliver. But really, a marketplace, in many ways, is just a new version of the classic wholesale relationship with just a couple of differences. The classic wholesale relationship being a retailer buys a load of products from a brand or another company and sells them individually to a customer. But what's changing with marketplaces here is that we're reducing from a bulk buy to a individual buy and we're buying just in time rather than in advance. So you wait for the customer order to come in the retailer then buys one item essentially from the brand or the seller who's then fulfills it to the customer. So we're changing the quantity, we're changing the order point, and we're changing who is doing the fulfillment. That's the three key aspects of marketplaces, really. So what is it that you need to consider if you're pursuing a marketplace transformation? Before we jump into that, let's step back a moment and just think about what is the business problem that you're trying to solve? Is it that you're looking to extend your sales targets, perhaps by getting more customers? Maybe you're looking to increase the average transaction value or basket size or increase the number of repeat customers. Maybe it's a traffic play. You want to increase the amount of traffic coming to the site, but is that of new customers, repeat customers? Maybe you're looking to expand into new categories perhaps an adjacent category to your core business. Maybe it's a completely new area. Maybe you're looking to build broader range with the existing categories, carrying more choices, more variants. Perhaps it's about increasing availability so that customers can actually get what they want without seeing lots of outs of stock of the most popular sizes or variants. Maybe you're looking to reduce the working capital or your stock holding. And is it actually about reducing it or is it about increasing your stock turns and your stock productivity? Perhaps it's about reducing the relative volume or cost of operations, but without reducing the volume of the business. There are loads of relevant problems that could lead you towards a marketplace solution. But unfortunately, the goals that you are working towards are likely to be less clear, less obvious or more in disguise than the examples I've just given you. So make sure that you 
distill your business goals, your business challenges, and ask why to understand what the core aims actually are. Because a marketplace might be a great solution. It might be only part of the solution, or it might be completely wrong, right? (laughs) So the first point to consider is what is the real problem or the real challenge or even the real opportunity that you are pursuing? And then let's say that you've done that and you have found that a marketplace is the right option. Now, there are a couple of different avenues here, of course. You could be setting up a marketplace to become the buyer or marketplace provider, or you could be listing on other marketplaces and becoming a seller. And I appreciate you're probably already doing that. But as we see more companies opening up marketplaces, there are going to be many more conversations about becoming a marketplace seller on this channel or that channel. So let's start by opening up your own marketplace. The opportunities here are around offering a broader range without tying up a load of working capital, investing in stock, both cash and space, of course, and at the same time, maintaining a better availability as the brand or the seller is working from one larger pool of stock rather than you having to split out a smaller buy and hoping that you get the ratios right between all of the different variants and the whole range, right? It's great for big and bulky items where perhaps you don't want to be storing or handling those products and instead you want to ship directly from the brand to the customer. And again, that's also particularly relevant if it's hard to handle product or even has particular requirements which your current operation is not fit for. You know, let's say you want to start shipping frozen food, but you don't have a frozen supply chain, let's say. It's great for that long tail of products, really slow moving products, but highly valuable products. Maybe they've got a great halo effect, so they bring customers in, but it stops your stock and your space being tied up in your various distribution centers and fulfillment center networks. It can be a good way of experimenting and discovering any new categories or product types that could work, but you're not sure. And you don't quite have the confidence yet to make a major buy and bring it into your core business. But actually, you could use a marketplace to see, is there customer demand for such and such a category or such and such a price point, right? And then there's a big opportunity to partner with the brand's that are appearing on your marketplace. It's very easy to just list a load of products, relatively speaking, but actually, how do you make those brands, those products, those ranges relevant to your customers rather than just the overwhelm that we'll come back to in a little minute of seeing, right, you've got 20 pages of PLP to scroll through. Ugh, what a pain, right? (laughs) But there are lots of complexities and considerations as well. First and foremost, think about the customer experience. Think about how you can keep a simple proposition for customers to understand. This is especially important for multi-item orders. Maybe they're buying a product from your core business and a product from the marketplace. Or maybe it's buying two different products from two different sellers. What then happens to your delivery fees, your delivery timescales, the couriers, the returns options? And actually, even before you get to that stage, how do those different products appear with regard to photography, product descriptions, 
other product details as well. Without this level of detail, your proposition quickly becomes confusing and can put customers off and suddenly you've lost a multi-buy customer could be a really valuable customer for you and you've lost them. Equally, it's easy to overwhelm a customer with an incredible range, incredibly large range that is. Plus, your business management of that huge range is also going to be overwhelmed. It's likely that with this marketplace, you're going to have a very long tail with lots of slow selling and even some no selling items. And therefore, it's really hard to assess sales and conversion patterns. So you may need to adjust how you are thinking about category management to be able to roll up sales and different products to see the pattern, have enough data and enough confidence in the trends that you are seeing. You've got to be careful that you're not cannibalizing your core lines. Your core lines, that is the classic wholesale buy lines, are much higher margin and you've invested the working capital into those. So you want to make sure that you are shifting and turning that stock. The worst case would be you made a load of marketplace sales at lower margin and then your purchased stock has spoiled or you need to sell it off at discount because it's the end of season, whatever category you're in, it will have a different exit plan, right? But you do not want to be A, holding that stock for a long time and B, having to sell it at a lower price point than you could have done and thus giving the margin away. Data is hugely important with marketplaces, both in terms of getting product data in the right format to easily ingest from different suppliers and different sellers, as well as integrating data sources between the marketplace and the sellers for real-time stock records, especially if that seller is selling on multiple marketplaces where that one stock pool is being drawn on from different retailers, but also having timely updates to receive orders, especially before any order cutoff times, as well as providing delivery updates and notifications. Again, all in the right format. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a whole host of challenges. <laughs> you need to be thinking about how do you prepare your customer service agents? As a marketplace provider, a customer will still see you as the retailer. They may not recognize the intricacies of having a marketplace. And so customers will still come with product questions, challenges, where's my order, complaints, and so on and so forth. So how are you going to prepare your customer service agents to provide clear explanations of propositions, product queries, and resolving complaints as well? And equally, if you're an omni-channel retailer, how are you going to prepare your store colleagues for those same aspects, especially if you're expanding into new categories whereby a customer may be coming in for advice and it's actually a new category that your store colleagues have not been trained in, are not passionate about and are ultimately not able to help the customer. That's not a great experience. Think about returns. Think about that simplicity of the proposition again, especially for multi-item orders. Think about can you return it to stores? Do you have a free returns proposition? How are you explaining the difference between a marketplace return and a core business return? Again, consumers get really easily confused, rightfully so, I might add, and that can damage the overall brand reputation, right? Aspects like product quality are, of course, hugely important. When the consumer is placing the order, they see your logo 
up at the top of the screen or on the receipt. And so product quality is synonymous with your brand and your brand reputation. So if that starts to slip by operating a marketplace where you don't have that quality aspect locked down, that's going to come back and bite hard. You still need to provide a load of attention and investment for marketing, for curation and range selection. And of course, it's likely that you're going to start offering less unique products, more commoditized products, which are going to be available on other marketplaces and potentially make you a little bit more vanilla, right? Because I could find that same product on another company's marketplace with the same product image, the same product description, maybe a different price, maybe not. And it starts to get quite confusing from a customer's point of view because you've got two exactly the same offerings. What's the difference? And that kind of leads us on to our final complexity or consideration. And that is around aligning to your company or brand values. You know, is it around sustainability? You want to be the most sustainable fashion retailer out there, tech provider out there, whatever. Is it about providing a luxury parcel opening experience? What is it that is aligned to your company values and your brand North Star that you're really aiming for? This is the uniqueness. And actually, how are you going to maintain that with a marketplace model? You know, imagine if you're going to be the most sustainable company out there and you bring in a seller into the marketplace and they provide great big boxes filled with loads of plastic, shipping lots of air. You don't have any say in that, right? So is that going to be, again, detrimental to your brand going forward? There is absolutely loads to consider if you are going down the avenue of becoming a marketplace provider, opening a marketplace on your own site. But what if you're thinking about selling on marketplaces? I'm sure you're already doing Amazon and eBay, but like I say, as more retailers offer marketplaces, how are you going to decide which channels to focus on most? The opportunities here are, of course, increasing the sales, getting more and more eyeballs on your products across an established audience. As essentially the brand, you get greater margins possible versus selling in bulk in wholesale deals. And you can sell on multiple channels very easily, really without too much risk of cannibalization. If you're a big established brand, it's still likely that customers will be comparing prices and reviews and stuff for the same product between different marketplaces. It's a bit of double counting there. But otherwise, especially if you're not the biggest brand in the world, this could be a fantastic option, right? Additionally, you're operating from one pool of stock so everyone gets access to better availability and you also get a clearer view on sales patterns and maybe even aspects like returns as well for planning your supply chain forecasts new product development and many other aspects of your existing business of course there are complexities and considerations for selling on marketplaces as well if you are becoming just a small part of an enormous range, how are you going to stand out? Especially if your brand is not super exclusive and already has this huge reputation. And equally, on this marketplace, you may have your wholesale customers selling the same products into that same channel, potentially at a lower cost. That's going to be hugely confusing for customers. 
And if you're the brand and you want to maintain your full recommended retail price without discounting, for example, this again really challenges the whole business model. You need to factor in new costs such as retail media and advertising costs, which you may have not considered to help gain that exposure. And you may need to develop your delivery proposition to ensure that it meets demands, especially around timescales, but also perhaps packing requirements or some other aspect as well. And then the final consideration, we touched on it earlier, is that if you are selling on a marketplace, you do not own the customer. You do not own that relationship or the right to continue to reach out to that customer. The marketplace provider owns that customer. They are the organization that can do email marketing, for example. And so repeat business and earning loyalty from customers becomes much harder and less distinctive that customers are going to come back to your particular shop on the marketplace or even go and find out about you by themselves. So customer lifetime value is really hard to build up. And whilst you may be looking at, for example, Google ads or social media ads to win that first customer and acquire them, you hope to then be able to convert them so you get a positive customer lifetime value. In reality, that's not going to happen if you are buying ads from the marketplace provider. So how does that change the business model over time? But whether you're setting up a marketplace or you're going to sell on marketplaces, integration for both is going to be essential. And that's both right from the start, getting ready to be able to offer either one of those different business decisions, as well as then as you bring on more sellers or find new marketplaces, you're going to want to integrate with them as well, of course, ensuring that the right data is being sent and received between the different systems at the right time in the right format. And of course, with the right data source as well. Another aspect to consider is around people and how you are going to manage this marketplace initiative. Is it going to be integrated with your existing commercial function, especially if you're becoming a marketplace provider? So a buyer is responsible for both the marketplace and the wholesale items, maybe own brand as well. This is going to mean that buyers become more multifaceted in their approach, lots more to consider, and therefore they're going to want to probably be more focused down on a particular product or category niche to avoid overwhelm and overwork? Or are you going to have a separate marketplace team with buyers continuing to look at their traditional work and then a marketplace buyer who is focused on bringing in and engaging new sellers and operating that side of the business? Either which way, managing silos is of course a huge topic and maintaining consistency between the marketplace and the core products is so critical. Whether that's in the buying experience, the delivery experience, the returns experience, whatever. You'll also want to think about different marketplace measures as well relative to your core products, or is it going to be a separate group of KPIs? This really depends on the goals for why you're operating a marketplace, right? So if you are considering marketplaces as part of your strategy, there is absolutely loads to consider and work through. I would encourage you to really go back to the beginning. What is the business problem or the challenge or the opportunity that you are seeing? What are you trying to do? This creates the why behind the transformation. And given the topic today, you'll see it's much broader 
It's a much bigger transformation than perhaps you considered at first. And then finally, it's also worth pointing out that more retailers are starting to offer platform services. That is, sort of fulfillment as a service type models. So I suspect we'll start to see more marketplaces offering their equivalent of FBA, fulfilled by Amazon. Especially if they're an established retailer with a strong operating model to be able to have late cutoff times, fast delivery options, etc. You know, if you're the retailer, you are looking to provide more value and therefore keep a greater share of the margin. And if you have the infrastructure and, like I say, the operating model to be able to offer fulfillment services to the sellers, why wouldn't you, right? And especially as it's going to keep the proposition more aligned. So I wonder if we'll start to go full circle, whereby sellers or brands need to keep a small stock holding in different locations to be able to be fulfilled by the marketplace seller, at cost, of course. <laughs> but it keeps that clear, consistent proposition to the customer. And then going back to that classic wholesale model versus the marketplace model, does it bring us full circle? I'm wondering that myself. Be interesting to see how it develops over time. But one thing is for sure, marketplaces absolutely are a huge trend right now. Lots of companies are looking at them, as long as you're looking at the business problem, of course. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, then I heartily encourage you to check out four more episodes that you might enjoy listening to as well. Firstly, being really clear on the business problem is essential. and Getting the organization into the right place before this enormous transformation with a clear why is critical. So check out the previous episode, episode 239, where I was speaking with transformation expert Brandon Rayal about laying the foundations to transform. We've also touched on retail media networks a number of times in today's episode. And so I encourage you to check out episode 214 called The Evolution of Retail Ad and Media Networks. And that's with Ricardo Belmar, another awesome conversation. And curation, again, comes up a huge amount when you're starting to think about marketplaces. So check out episode 225 with Lisa Amlani talking about transforming, arranging and curation. And finally, as you are pursuing a marketplace transformation, it's really critical to think about What's really right for your business? What are you trying to achieve? So check out episode 236 called Today's Decisions Create Our Future Regrets. And this really comes back to understanding the problem that you are looking to solve and making sure that you're not going down an avenue that you later regret in your business. Whether that's starting to explode across lots of different marketplaces, whether it's offering your own marketplace or whether it's deciding that marketplaces are not for you with the potential that you might come back in a couple of years and think, oh no, why did we decide that? <laughs> so check out those four episodes there. I'm going to put the links to each of those on the show notes today at obandco.uk slash 240. That's obandco.uk slash 240. And sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing as well to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail. 
thank you for tuning in to this one, episode 240. And I look forward to joining you on another episode of the Retail Transformation Show podcast very, very soon. Bye for now.